This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Hey everyone, welcome to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. And this week's episode is all about the things that mess up birth control. Is it everything? Is it a few things? Is it everything you've heard on the internet? We're going to talk about that today. And I want you to stay tuned to the end where this week's class is in session segment is all about seizures and why I, as an OBGYN, want you to know how this can actually affect your ovaries and your uterus. Yes, really. I'm talking about seizures and having to do with your ovaries and your uterus today, and that'll be at the end. So stick around for that. So I've got a few questions today that came to me through my Viva La Vulva voicemail and my Instagram DMs all about kind of what can mess up with birth control. And let's just jump right into the first one. Hello, my name is Rachel, and I was wondering what really interferes with the efficacy of the pill. I've heard before that certain medications like antibiotics do, but then sometimes when I ask my gyno about it, she tells me it's not going to be a problem. But then recently I've been seeing in more of the natural sphere that there's natural things that can mess with the efficacy, like red clover and I can't remember the other thing. St. John's something. And I just wanted to know, is that if it's ingested? What if it's like in a cream or a shampoo? Anyway, this is a long-winded question to just ask. What things mess with the efficacy of the birth control pill? Thank you so much. Okay, first things first. I get asked something like this, some form of this question all the time. And in fact, it was actually one of the first things that made me realize Social media had a lot to teach me about what my patients and people were hearing out there. And you heard me right, not what I needed to teach others, but I was learning from social media because until I was a regular on Instagram and really TikTok, I had no idea there were so many concerns about things interacting with birth control. And I have addressed it and still over and over again, I hear it. And so let's break this down by the different things that I've been asked whether or not they can affect your pill. So I'm talking about the birth control pill here. And when we talk about the pill, I'm really kind of talking about all hormonal contraceptives really except the IUDs and the implants, which I'll get to later. But most people who are asking me these questions, they're worried because they're taking the pill and they've heard things or seen things that have said, oh, if you also take fill in the blank, that will make your pill not as effective and then you'll get pregnant. So we're going to start off with the one I get asked the most and it's antibiotics. There are so many myths here. I have been asked so many questions because people have said to me, Dr. Jen, I got an antibiotic prescription for a bladder infection and the pharmacist said, if I'm on birth control, I need to take a backup method. Or I read the package insert and it says I should use a backup method. Or my doctor said that if I take this antibiotic, it could make my birth control less effective and I can get pregnant. So I need to not have sex or use a backup method. So like legit people, people who are trained, pharmacists, doctors, other healthcare providers telling patients, yeah, this could happen. So you need to use something else. And then here I am, you know, your TikTok OBGYN bestie making content saying, oh, you don't really need to worry about most of them. And people are really angry with me because they've said, no, no, that's not what my doctor said. So we are going to dive into this because there's, there's a lot of misinformation out here. 
So here is what people have thought for how antibiotics could mess up how birth control pills work. Here are kind of the theories. The first one is that you take an antibiotic and you get diarrhea. Sometimes that just happens, let's be real. And so that leads to poor pill absorption and that's why it's less effective. Another theory or idea that's been out there is that the antibiotic binds to a receptor where the birth control pill hormone should bind. And so it doesn't allow that steroid in the pill to bind and do its thing. And so the antibiotic gets in the way and therefore the birth control isn't as effective in your body. The third theory was that when you take antibiotics, it changes the bacteria in your intestines and in your gut. And that changes how estrogen is metabolized in your gut because your intestines are a huge part of where the estrogen and the hormones in your pill do get broken down and turned into a state that your body can use. So the idea here was that the good bacteria that did this were being wiped out by the antibiotic that were also killing the bad bug that you're trying to, and thus your pill isn't absorbed in the same way. Sounds valid, right? Well, let's see. Another thought was that people who are sick sometimes forget to take their pill because they're, you know, exhausted and sleeping for days on end, or they take it and they throw it up. That all sounds very valid. And lastly, another theory was that when you take an antibiotic, it causes changes into how enzymes work in your body, specifically in your liver. And so the same enzymes that would break down the birth control pill work differently. And so there's one specific one that people will will talk about specifically called cytochrome P450. This idea that these antibiotics cause enzyme induction, which is basically they ramp up and they break down the birth control pill more quickly. And so your body doesn't have a chance to absorb it. That's a lot of theories, right? And they all sound in different ways like, oh, that could be true. That could be a reason why. And I think it's important to note that just because we have theories or things that might sound reasonable doesn't mean that that's actually what happens in real life. So here is what we actually know for sure. Yes, absolutely. If you forget to take your pill, it's not going to work. (laughs) I think that's pretty obvious, but I feel like we should state that. Also, if you throw up within a couple hours of taking your pill, there's also a chance that it can't work because it hasn't moved past your stomach. And so you throw it up, it's not going to work. Same thing, if you're having terrible diarrhea and things are just moving through your system too quickly, you can't absorb it, they're not gonna work as well. And it's not the antibiotic's fault though. That's the key. It's the fact that your body was not able to absorb something because it physically got ejected out of you (laughs) or you forgot to take it. So that actually has nothing to do with the antibiotic. And I think that sounds obvious, but it's really important that we highlight that. Here's the other thing that we know for sure is that there is really just one class of antibiotics that can absolutely cause trouble and mess up your birth control pill. And this is a class of antibiotics that are enzyme inducers. So like I said, they make those enzymes go into overdrive and they cause your birth control to be broken down too quickly. This is specifically the antibiotic rifampin. And the good news is that we hardly ever use it. This is really a treatment for tuberculosis. Now, if you are getting tuberculosis treatment, then yes, I would love for you to know this and pay attention and be sure to be using a different form of contraception. But this is not a medication that we hand out for bladder infections or skin infections or yeast infections or anything like that. So what about other antibiotics other than rifampin? How many of you have been told by a doctor or a pharmacist that you need a backup birth control method when taking something like Flagyl or amoxicillin or doxycycline or any other kind? I bet a lot of you, right? 
as is evidenced by what I get in my DMs and emailed to me and the questions I get asked, because these are common antibiotics that we give out all the time for things that I mentioned before, like UTIs, treatments for sexually transmitted infections, treatments for skin infections. So these are very common drugs and people are being told all the time that they can mess with their birth control. So here's what I often see on social media when it comes to influencers or people who are putting out this content. A lot of them act like these things have never been studied or they just don't care to check because I don't know why. I guess it involves like, you know, actually doing more than a quick Google search because here's the thing. How antibiotics interact with the steroids found in birth control pills is one of the most widely studied drug interactions that we have, and it dates back to the 1980s. So this is like longstanding data that we've had for a really long time. This is not new information. And we know that there's really no significant decrease in how the pill works with these antibiotics other than those enzyme-inducing antibiotics that I talked about, that rifampin. There may be small case reports that many influencers may point to, but these are tiny. They don't have a control group, which means we're not comparing them to the same group of people with similar characteristics, with the only difference is that they're not taking an antibiotic. So it's really hard to say that that's really robust data. Here's what's even more confusing. It is still on the label of birth control pills that antibiotics can make them not work well. So it literally says on there that when taking some antibiotics and some other herbal supplements, your birth control may not work as well, and you may want to use a backup. On the same labels, it doesn't say specifically which antibiotics, so you're left having no idea if the one that you're taking is going to interact, and so you just assume it, and you're scared, and you think, okay, all antibiotics are bad. This is an irresponsible way of marketing and an irresponsible way to use the package insert, and it causes fear. And it's even more confusing because the package insert looks like a medical document that people can use to like help guide how they use a medication when really it's not that at all. It's really a legal cover your butt document that the drug companies put together. It's super confusing. So let's talk about the newest study on the block that actually came with a really splashy headline of birth control pills are found to be ineffective or less effective with all antibiotics. So I want to break this down for you. So this was a study that came out in 2020 in the British Medical Journal, and the name of it is Analysis of Reports of Unintended Pregnancies Associated with the Combined Use of Non-Enzyme-Inducing Antibiotics and Hormonal Contraceptives. That's a mouthful, but basically what they were doing is looking at a bunch of studies and trying to see if those other antibiotics, other than rifampin, the ones that I previously told you don't increase your risk of getting pregnant, well, is that actually true? Let's see. So here's what they did. They reviewed 173,000 reports in the UK where accidental pregnancy was reported and the person who accidentally got pregnant was on a medication at the time that it happened. And what they were looking at were people who were using the pill, the patch, or the vaginal ring. So different forms of hormonal contraceptives. And what they wanted to see was if women on those birth control who took antibiotics had more accidental or unintended pregnancies compared to those who weren't on antibiotics. And they had a study group, so people who were on birth control and taking the antibiotics, those non-enzyme-inducing ones that I'm talking about, as well as the comparison group. So these people accidentally got pregnant. They weren't taking antibiotics. They may have been taking something like, you know, Tylenol or ibuprofen. So they were able to compare them. Here's what they found, and here's what the headline said. They found that people who accidentally got pregnant had an almost seven-fold increased risk when they were taking antibiotics. So let me say that again. Here's what the headlines would say. Women taking antibiotics have a seven times increased chance of getting pregnant 
when they're on antibiotics and using hormonal birth control as compared to people who don't take antibiotics. That sounds really scary, right? When you hear that your risk is seven times higher, you assume, oh my goodness, this obviously means that I'm going to get pregnant, right? But once again, it's not the whole story. So let's keep going. Let's talk about what this actually means in real numbers. So out of 100,000 women who had an unintended and unplanned pregnancy, and they were not on antibiotics, this is the number of women out of 100,000 who got pregnant. Six. So six in 100,000 women got pregnant in an unintended way while on birth control, not taking antibiotics. That number did increase in women who were on antibiotics. It was 119 out of 100,000 women. So it went from six per 100,000 to 119 per 100,000. That is an increase, right? That's a seven times increase. But when you hear real life numbers, that's actually still a very, very small increase, right? If it's seven times increase and you go from one out of 10 to seven out of 10, that's a big difference. But when we're talking with the denominator of 100,000 women, while yes, it is more, it's not that much more. So here's what I think about all of this. The actual increase in the number of pregnancies was still very small. And here's the really weird thing, and I don't know why they didn't look at this. They didn't take into account if somebody threw up, which could absolutely be a reason that a pill doesn't work. Now, they did take into account if somebody had diarrhea, so I don't understand why they didn't ask this other question, because I think if they did that, I think those numbers may be very different. And it's strange, because this is the one study that has come out with this outcome, and it doesn't have the same results that other studies that have shown the exact opposite. And that's not to say that it's not true. But in the scientific world, when we see one study that's very different from lots of others, we have to pause and think and say, hmm, what's different about this? Is there really new information or is it just, you know, they didn't collect the data perfectly? For example, they didn't ask people if they threw up. So maybe that's really what's going on. I also think there's already a huge number of barriers to people using birth control and to try to like scare them off and say, well, now you're on antibiotics and, and this is very, you know, very high risk situation. Like now you, maybe you're scaring them even more and maybe they might not choose to use a certain birth control method because they're afraid if they take antibiotics frequently. So I, I don't love the way this study was reported. And also recall bias could have totally skewed the results, which means that when somebody is pregnant and they didn't want to be pregnant and you're asking them, is there anything you could have taken that could have led to this? You're more likely to report something because you're recalling something and you're trying to find a reason for something, as opposed to people walking around who were on birth control and didn't get pregnant and you're asking them to recall this, they're less likely to be like, oh yeah, I forgot. It's just, it's called recall bias. I don't know if I'm doing a great job explaining it. I'm not a statistician, but suffice it to say when people have outcomes that are not desirable, whether it's getting pregnant or a miscarriage or something else, they're more likely to report something because they're looking for an answer, not in an inappropriate way, but it just means that those people who didn't have those poor outcomes, they're less likely to remember these things and report them. So here's what I think from this. I think that it's always your choice to use additional protection when you're on antibiotics. But patients shouldn't be scolded or scared by pharmacists or doctors who say you absolutely have to use a backup form of birth control or you will become pregnant because that's fear mongering. And we as women and people with the uterus, especially, we're, we're told a lot of things that we should do just in case. We should pee after sex just in case. We should use extra birth control just in case. It adds up and it adds to already a lot of anxiety about trying not to get pregnant or just managing our bodies in general that when you add another thing that's not based on good data, 
it makes our lives harder. And for those reasons, I don't love it. So I think it's all about good counseling. And I think this study is interesting. And I think that anytime somebody's on antibiotics, if they ask and say, is there a higher risk that I could get pregnant? I confidently feel like I could say there may be a very tiny increase, but it's probably not statistically significant in a, in a real life way. If you're really worried about pregnancy, you're more than welcome to use a backup method. But the one study that suggested this is actually very different from all the other studies that say no. So I think it's your personal choice. And then guess what? That person has informed counseling as opposed to fear-based counseling, and they can decide what's best for them. So take home points when it comes to antibiotics and birth control. Rifampin, you know, that weird antibiotic that treats tuberculosis and not much else. Yes, that one definitely decreases efficacy. And the rest really don't in a meaningful way. But you're more than welcome to use backup if you want. Okay, that was a lot of talking about antibiotics. Let's move on to some of the other things that I've been asked. Hey, could this screw up my birth control? And let's talk about it. Let's move on to seizure medications. And the answer is yes, there are some medications that we use to treat seizures that can make your birth control pill not work as well. These are medications like barbiturates, carbamazepine, oxycarbamazepine, phenytoin, primidone, topamax, and all in the same way that rifampin does through that enzyme induction pathway, which means that your birth control pill hormones are broken down more quickly. Now, it's important to know that these meds aren't just used for seizures, but also for things like migraines and pain disorders. So if you happen to be on something like this and you are using hormonal birth control, I'd really love for you to partner with your OBGYN provider and your neurologist to figure out what's best for you so that you've got the optimal control of, you know, let's say your migraines and you're also not getting pregnant at the same time. Thank goodness that one's easier to talk about than antibiotics. Phew. Okay. What about alcohol? I've been asked this one before too. No, alcohol does not mess up the efficacy of your pill unless two things happen. Number one, you throw it up because you drank too much. Or number two, you're too drunk and you forget to take your pill. These are not to make fun of people drinking. Truly, this happens like this happens to all of us. So if you find that that's happening, then, you know, number one, maybe we should check in and make sure that your, your alcohol intake is not interfering with the normal stuff you do every day. And number two, maybe figure out if there's a better form of birth control out there for you. Okay, another question that this caller specifically asked was in regard to St. John's wort, and that's an herbal treatment, and it's also something that you'll see on package inserts for birth controls, and the answer is probably yes, this can interfere with hormonal contraception through that same pathway, that enzyme induction pathway, but studies are limited, so I can't give you a great answer of how much or how often, but possibly, and if that worries you, again, informed decision-making, use something else reevaluate why you're taking St. John's wort. Is it worth it? Is there another method you should be considering? And then you can make an informed choice. This caller also asked about red clover, which I had to look up because I am not a red clover expert. And I went to the Mount Sinai Medical Center webpage, which I'll include in the show notes. And here's what they say about red clover. This is something that could be used medicinally to treat things like whooping cough, skin inflammation, psoriasis, eczema, cancer, a whole lot of stuff not being an expert in this. I can't tell you if I've not reviewed the data, but whether or not this actually works. And as with all things herbal, they are regulated in a different way than pharmaceuticals. And so one of the things to note is that dosages can vary in different preparations. So it's just important to note that. And here's an interesting one. Um, apparently healthcare professionals believe that red clover purifies the blood by acting as a diuretic. So getting rid of excess fluid and also helps clearing mucus. And it says, quote, helps cleanse the liver. So I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, but here's what I do think is a, is a wee bit 
maybe interesting concerning about red clover. It contains isoflavonoids, which are plant-based chemicals that produce estrogen-like effects in the body. And so people will use this sometimes to treat hot flashes, even though the data is really mixed and the largest studies show no benefit. So the TLDR is that red clover may actually increase the effects of estrogen and your birth control in your body, meaning that it increases the concentrations of it, which potentially could make you more predisposed to side effects like blood clots, strokes, and heart attacks. Again, I do not have the good data. I don't know if this is a meaningful increase, but it's something to know about. So I would say it's actually the opposite. It doesn't sound like it affects the metabolism of your birth control pill and makes you more likely to get pregnant, but potentially it could make those side effects of estrogen maybe a little bit higher. So definitely something to discuss. Okay, let's move on to HIV medications because I've seen this one out there too. And I do want you to know that there are certain kinds of antiretrovirals that may decrease the efficacy of the birth control pill. So if you are on that, certainly a great idea to talk to your prescriber to make sure that you're also on a contraceptive that's effective as well. Let's move on to melatonin. Oh, melatonin. Mm. So this was one, this was the first thing, one of the first things I saw on social media that people kept asking me and I didn't get it because people were saying melatonin quote unquote, cancels out your birth control. And I had no idea what they were talking about. And I thought, did I miss something in my training? Because these people were so sure and there were so many social media posts about it that I thought, well, this has to be based in something. And you know what? I dove into the research and you know what? There is none. There is no study out there whatsoever saying that melatonin somehow cancels out or increases the metabolism of your birth control and makes it less likely to work. In fact, the opposite may be true in that the birth control pill actually affects melatonin. And so people who are on birth control may need less melatonin because of how it's metabolized. They're both metabolized in the liver and having birth control on board may mean that your melatonin is broken down a little bit more slowly. And so you may need less melatonin because you'll have more of an effect from it. So unless you're sleeping so well from your melatonin and you sleep through the time that you're supposed to take your period, then yeah, no, this is not going to affect it whatsoever. And when I dove into this and I really tried really hard, I was like, there's got to be a study out here. These people are so certain. All I could find was like a random doctor or two quoted in like some crappy magazine, not even like a journal. I'm talking like a magazine saying that it, it affected it. And then that quote was lifted and it just sort of proliferated, but there's no actual data, which maddens me so much. And this leads perfectly into our clitorally segment where I'm clitorally and literally busting myths and misconceptions. And this week's is about a TikTok where somebody said, you guessed it, that melatonin canceled out their birth control and they got pregnant. So let's have a listen to this. Had my son on April 17th, 2019. Took a melatonin one night when I could not sleep. Found out melatonin cancels out some birth control pills. Had my daughter April 20th, 2020. Okay, so this TikTok has 9.8 million views, 1.5 million likes, 13,000 comments, and 20,000 saves. And it's true now when you click on it, it says it has a little warning that says unverified content. But here's the problem. It's still up, even though it's false. And it's been duetted and stitched countless times. 
And that warning doesn't come up on those. So this is not a recent TikTok, but this is one that is still out there. And when you type in melatonin and birth control in the TikTok search bar, it still comes up as does the oodles of duets and stitches. So when people are looking into this, they're still going to see this misinformation. And it literally and clitorally drives me insane. P.S. This person's babies are very cute. And the melatonin and the birth control, and what I'm, the, you know, the fact-based stuff that I'm doing here, I'm not here to, to hate on that. She's got adorable babies, but I can tell you they didn't come from her taking melatonin. Okay, and the last thing I'm going to say to answer this person's awesome question, she was asking, you know, what if these herbal things are in creams or shampoos? I can very, very definitively say, don't worry, we're talking about when we're taking in these substances, not when they're used topically. So you're good there. So before I talk about the final thing that can mess up your pill or tenant, let's see what another caller wanted me to check into. I've had this burning question for like two years now and no one will answer it. What would happen if you were on any type of birth control, like say an IUD or um, the next one on implant and you took a plan B? Like, would they cancel out? Is this, you know, exponents? I don't know. Let me know. Okay. I'm so glad you asked this question. And I am so sorry that no one will answer this for you because it's got a simple answer. But first, I want to review what we mean when we say plan B, which is one type of morning after pill. So a lot of times people, when they say plan B, they mean just morning after pills in general. And so I want to let you know that there's two different kinds of morning after pills. There's plan B and all the generics. There's a bunch of them, uh, but you can still get the name brand plan B and that's levonorgestrel. So it's a type of progesterone. There's also another type of morning after pill called Ella, which is ulipristal acetate. There's no generic for it yet that I'm aware of. And actually, if you had to pick a morning after pill, this would be the one that I would suggest you pick. It works better longer, up to five days after unprotected sex and at higher weights, whereas plan B only really works up until three days after unprotected sex. So, okay, so I just want to clarify which one you're asking about. So specifically about plan B, the levonorgestrel morning after pill, um, no, there's no canceling out because in fact, what's in it is just progesterone, which is in a lot of your birth control pills. So you can absolutely take both together. When it comes to Ella though, that's a different story. You should wait five days after taking Ella before continuing or starting to take your hormonal birth control pill. And the reason is, is that there's a hormonal blocker in Ella that could counteract the hormones in your birth control. And so when you take them both together, it could actually reduce the effectiveness of each of these. And here's the thing. If you're on birth control, then you shouldn't need to take a morning after pill. But if you've messed up or you've, you know, like you've missed a pill or you threw one up and you don't have another one to take and you want to take plan B, you can, and you can keep on going with your birth control pill. When it comes to Ella, you can absolutely take it. Just wait on that hormonal birth control for five days. And in that next cycle, you're not going to be protected by that pill because you've had that break in time. So either don't have sex or use another method for those first five days while you're having sex, like a condom, or in that next cycle, in you know the same cycle after those five days, when you've started up on your birth control pill, use that birth control pill as well as a barrier method for extra protection during that cycle. And then once you're into your next cycle, then you're covered. I hope that makes sense. So have you noticed how I've mostly been talking about the pill so far? What about if you're using something else? And my next and final caller, she asked just that. Is there like any medications that could interfere with the ability of an IUD, non-hormonal and hormonal? Just curious, because <laughs> I'm new to this. 
Oh, AJ, I am so glad you called in and asked about this and about IUDs in general, because in regard to this and your question, this is yet another reason to love them because nothing messes them up. And if you want to hear more about IUDs, head to the episode just before this, where I answer a bunch of IUD related questions. Now you'll Google and you'll see the same information about birth control and antibiotic interactions out there for the IUDs. But guess what? It's false. And it really bothers me that You'll see this stuff out there specifically on, you know, um, the drug inserts that I talked about, but it's not true. And this is actually from the Marina website. The Marina is one type of progesterone IUD. Here's what they say. There are no drug-drug interaction studies that have been conducted with Marina, drugs or herbal products that induce or inhibit levonorgestrel metabolizing enzymes may decrease or increase respectively the serum concentration of levonorgestrel during the use of Mirena. Here's where it really matters. However, the contraceptive effect of Mirena is mediated via the direct release of levonorgestrel into the uterine cavity and is unlikely to be affected by drug interactions via enzyme induction or inhibition. Okay, here's what that really means. What they're saying is there's no studies directly in terms of antibiotics and the IUDs, Yes, you can see some of that change in metabolism that we talked about with the enzyme inducers in progesterone when it's in your bloodstream, but the way the IUDs work is that local effect of the progesterone in the uterus. So long story short, you're good. <laughs> so what I'm telling you is that IUDs are awesome. And this is another reason because you can take antibiotics, you can take these other medications and you're going to totally be covered. And they are over 99% effective at preventing pregnancy. And you don't have to worry if you are on an antibiotic or some other med. That's a super simple answer, and I love it. Before we finish up, let's take a moment and head back to school for this week's class is in session, where we hit up this week's teachable moment. Welcome to the health class you wish you had in high school. And this week's teachable moment is about seizures. And you may be wondering why me and OBGYN is talking about a brain problem. I think it's actually really cool. Did you know that just having a seizure disorder affects much more than your brain and just having seizures? It can actually really affect your reproductive health. And here's how. In the first way, menstrual disorders, so problems with periods, are found in about 33% of patients with epilepsy. That's actually double what we see in the general population. So let me say that again. People with epilepsy have a twice as high of a risk, about one third of them, will have some issues with their periods. I think that's really interesting. 10 to 20% of people with epilepsy will have PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. That rate is only 5% in people who don't have epilepsy. And people with epilepsy also have increased rates of premature menopause, which means going through menopause earlier. The average age of menopause in this country is about 51. And if you wanna hear more about menopause, go back a few episodes. I talked a bunch about it in a recent episode that I think was really awesome. But I just think this is something really cool that I actually didn't know until I looked into this. Now, why is what is going on here? What is the link? Why is something that's happening in your brain messing up your ovaries? It's really cool. And it makes sense when you think about it. So the area of the brain where seizures can happen and thus can damage the part of the brain where those seizures are, are the same areas of the brain that coordinate the hormones that are needed to have normal menstrual cycles. Like, hello, I just think that's so interesting to know. And it makes perfect sense, but I just didn't really think of it until I was diving into it for this episode. So super interesting. If you are somebody or you know somebody who has epilepsy and you are noticing that you might have signs of PCOS or you're having issues with your periods, just know that you're not alone and that it's a really good time to check in with your healthcare provider and maybe you could even teach them this. 
Now, we can still manage these very often in the same way, but just know that if you're on medications, when it comes to birth control, if you're using it for contraception, we got to make sure that they don't interfere with each other like I already reviewed, which leads me into the next part of this classes and session was that it's actually really important to know that having seizure disorders can also really affect pregnancy management. Every year, 24,000 people with epilepsy give birth in the United States, and it's really important to make sure that the medications you're on are okay in pregnancy because there are quite a few that we use commonly for seizure treatment or prophylaxis, meaning preventing them, that are really bad when it comes to developing fetuses. It can lead to birth defects and other issues. So it's really best if you have a seizure disorder to have something called a preconception visit. That's where you check in with your doctor even before you're trying to get pregnant. And they can do a lot of things, but the two things really that I wanna talk about is number one, they can make sure your seizures are under good control because we know that if you've had really good control with your seizures in the previous year before you get pregnant, that's a good indicator that you're gonna do really well in pregnancy. The other thing, number two, is that they can make sure the medications you're on are safe even before you know you're pregnant because so much development happens even before you pee on that stick and you've got that positive pregnancy test. So now you know more about seizures and how it affects your uterus, your ovaries, and getting pregnant. And I think we're all smarter for hearing that today. So class dismissed. All right, let's summarize real quick what we discussed here today. There is a ton of misinformation out there about what can make birth control fail. And the biggest take-home message from me to you is that the majority of antibiotics do nothing. And a lot of what's out there in terms of labeling is really CYA, cover yourself legal stuff. Always feel free to use a backup method if you want. And for the love, melatonin doesn't cancel birth control. And if TikTok could just take that one TikTok down, I'd be so happy. If you're using emergency contraception, don't take Ella and hormonal birth control together, but plan B and hormonal birth control together, totally fine. IUDs are awesome because they're invincible and not all that affects your uterus is in your pelvis. And seizure disorders are a great example of this. All right, that's all we've got for this week's episode. I have had so much fun talking about this. And if you've got other questions related to what interacts with birth control or anything else, don't hesitate to call in. Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're gonna answer them. Yeah.